Well, I want to ask you a question tonight, and I want you to think about this because I think it's a very, very good question. What would you say if I told you that there was one thing that you could do in your life, there's one change that you could make in your life, only one change that would improve your sleep, that would make you happier and in a consistently better mood, that would reduce your stress level and your feelings of burnout, one thing that you could do to open the door to more and better relationships that would improve your physical health improve your self-esteem, increase your mental clarity, and reduce your anxiety and depression. If I said to you, there's one thing that you could do that would do all of that, what would you say? You would probably say, where can I get that pill, right? I mean, where is it? What is this thing that I can do that will do all of that? Well, it's not found in a pill, but according to the Bible, it is found by giving thanks. Gratitude is a very powerful thing. And studies tell us, this is from the medical world and the scientific world, that when we begin to practice gratitude, thankfulness, instead of complaining and being negative, that it does all of those things and many more for us. And so, before we get into our primary text tonight, I want to put some verses on the screen that just show us the importance of gratitude and the importance of being a thankful person. And before we get into this, will you kind of ask yourself tonight, if you were describing yourself, would you describe yourself as a grateful person or as a grumbling type person? Would you describe yourself as a thankful person or would you describe yourself maybe as somebody who's not always very thankful? Let's look at these verses. First, in Psalm 92 and verse 1, the Scripture says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Let's just say that part together right there. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. So the Scripture tells us something about thanksgiving, good to give thanks, that is good for us. I read about a Bible scholar from another generation named Matthew Henry. Some of you may have his one-volume uh, commentary of the entire Bible. It's tremendous. But one day, Matthew Henry was robbed, and the person who robbed him took all, of his, all the money that he had on him at that time. Well, when Matthew Henry got home, he was very discouraged about that, but he thought, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to give thanks in every situation. And so he prayed a very interesting prayer. He said, God, I thank you that even though I was robbed, I didn't get killed. God, I thank you that even though that man took all of my money, he didn't, he didn't take my life. And God, I thank you, number three, that I was the one robbed and not the one who did the robbing. And so sometimes we have to be creative and we have to look in this situation, how can I be thankful? But nonetheless, the Scripture says it is good. It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Let's look at another verse also in Psalms, in the 100th Psalm. It simply says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. And so when we come into the presence of God, whether it's in a corporate setting like this or whether it's in your home as you're having your quiet time each day, we should enter into the presence of God by saying, God, thank you for, and then tell him what you're thankful for. Most of us come into the presence of God with a list of things we hope God does for us or a list of problems we want God to solve. And there's a place for that. But when we enter into his presence... 
we shouldn't start out by asking God for one, two, and three. We should thank God for the things that He has already given us. And then another verse, Psalm 107 in verse 1. I love this verse. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. It's a tremendous verse. And then in the New Testament, there are lots of verses on Thanksgiving, but maybe the one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is the most familiar to us. Notice what it says. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when we think about God's will, one of the parts of God's will is simply this. God wants us to be thankful people. He wants our lives to be lives of gratitude and our attitude to be attitudes of gratitude. And so that said, if you'll turn in the New Testament to Luke chapter number 17, I cannot think of a better passage of Scripture for us to study tonight than this passage as we think about the importance of having a grateful attitude and being a thankful, thankful purpose person. In Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, we read about these 10 lepers and how Jesus healed them and uh, what nine of them failed to do and one of them did do and how it touched the heart of Jesus. Let's look beginning in verse number 11. Now it happened as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. They took a step of faith, and it was in that step of faith that the Lord healed them. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Literally, your faith has saved you. And so this man had such faith in Jesus that not only was he healed of his leprosy, but he was saved from his sin. In the Greek language here where it says, your faith has made you well, that phrase, made you well, is from the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O, which literally means to save. Same word we read in Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it could have been translated here, arise, go your way, your faith has saved you. So there's something in this man that that was healed of his leprosy that not only was grateful and thankful, but he recognized that the one who had healed him was none other than the Savior of the world, the Son of God, God in the flesh, and he was saved (laughs) as well as being healed. But the point I want us to focus on tonight is this. Of the ten who were healed, only one came back to give thanks to Jesus. Only one did the right thing. Now think about this. If the Bible says it's good to give thanks to the Lord, wouldn't it also imply that it's bad not to give thanks to the Lord? If the Bible says this is the will of God that you be thankful, doesn't that also mean if we're not thankful, we're out of the will of God? And so it's very important that we learn to be grateful people, thankful people, and not always complaining and finding the uh, wrong side of everything. Now, I want to make three observations from this passage tonight about thanksgiving. And I think it's so 
easily applicable and relatable to our life. The first thing I would say is simply this. Thanksgiving takes time. It takes time to be thankful. First, it takes mental time. We have to think about all the things that God has done for us, and we have to, you know, it takes time to kind of begin to process that. And then it takes time to pray and to go to God and say, God, I want to thank you for what it is that you have done in my life. For this man who was healed, he had gone to Jerusalem, he had gone to the temple, and, uh, or he was on his way to the temple. He was healed as he was on his way to the temple, but he had gone a, a good distance from Jesus. And yet when the other nine they looked down, they saw that they were healed. They just said, now what we want to do now is get back to a normal life. We want to get back to normal. And we can relate to that because we've been saying that for the last two years. We want to get back to normal. This Samaritan, though, he said there's one thing more important than getting back to normal, and that's getting back to Jesus and thanking him for healing me of this leprosy. But the point is, it took time to do that. Whatever he had planned for the rest of that day had to be put on hold as he went to Jesus and as he thanked him for Uh, what he had done for him. So I would say this to you, and in a moment we're going to think about some practical things we can do to become a thankful person, but let me just say now, giving thanks does take time. And so as you think about your own day, and as I think about mine, we're going to have to carve out time. Certainly we can be thankful on the go, in the car, while we're exercising, while we're working, and we should be thankful as the day goes on for all the things that God does for us through the day. But I firmly believe that in addition to that, we need to have, it doesn't have to be a long period of time, but part of our prayer time every day should be set aside to thanksgiving and thanking God for all of his blessings in our lives. And it simply takes time. Now, the second thing that's obvious from this passage is that thanksgiving touches God's heart. When we're thankful, God notices that, and God is touched by that. Again, in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Think about this. Jesus noticed the nine who failed to come back and give thanks, but he also noticed the one who did give thanks. And so when we're thankful, or when we fail to be thankful, God notices that. And God sees that. And when we're thankful, it touches his heart. And when we're not thankful, I believe that it hurts his heart. Those of you who are parents and grandparents, you know that you give your child or grandchild a gift. If that child or grandchild says thank you for that gift, that means something to you. If they fail to say thank you, you might say to yourself, I'm never giving them anything else again as long as they live, right? Well, you wouldn't do that, but you might think about it. And you would think, You know, if they're not even thankful for what it is that I've given them, I think it hurts your feelings. Well, I think in a similar way, it hurts God's heart when he thinks, when God looks down and sees all the things he's given us in our life and we fail to give thanks, I think it hurts his heart. And then the third thing I would say is this, thanksgiving, it changes our focus. There's something about being thankful that gets our focus off of our problems and onto the problem solver. When we're thankful, it gets our focus off of the burdens that we're carrying and onto the burden bearer. When we're thankful, it gets our mind off of those things that tend to discourage us. And There's something about Thanksgiving, and I said this Sunday in one of the services, sometimes when, when, when we are mentally or emotionally or spiritually one degree off, it negatively affects everything about our lives. Just like if you're on an airplane and the pilot, his 
needle there was one degree off, well, eventually you're going to miss your intended destination by hundreds or thousands of miles just being one degree off. But when we get right with God, when, when, we're, when our lives are lined up with God and we're not one degree off, we're right, we have found the sweet spot. I wonder tonight in this service, and for those listening at home, how many of you would say at this season in my life, on this Wednesday night in my life, I am in the sweet spot spiritually? I'm in a sweet spot. I mean, I just feel peace. I feel relaxed. I feel the presence of God. I'm hearing from God. He's speaking to me. He's using me. I have an ease. I have found this, like a batter, a baseball player. He he talks about the sweet spot of the bat. What does that mean? It means when the pitch comes in, when he swings the bat, if he hits the ball on the sweet spot, that ball is going to go a mile. It's going to go out of the park. Well, similarly, in the life of the believer, there there is a sweet spot. Call it the will of God, call it the anointing, call it the place of rest. That's what in the, New, in the New Testament Jesus talks about rest. Well, it's all a different way of saying the same thing. It's that place where we're not one degree off, where we're right on and where life flows. Life, I'm not saying there aren't struggles because we all have struggles, but in the midst of the struggle, there is an inner flow, there's an inner ease, there's an inner peace, there's a lack of hurry, there's a lack of rush, and uh, we just are in the sweet spot. And I'm telling you, there's no better place to be than that. I was reading a story today, and I thought, they might, uh, this, this might be a good story for me to read tonight as we think about the importance of how Thanksgiving changes our focus. It puts our focus not only on God, it puts our focus on what God has done for us, and it just changes our whole demeanor. Thankfulness, thankfulness leaves no room for discouragement. I once read a legend of a man who found the barn where Satan kept his seeds, ready to be sown in the human heart. And on finding the seeds of discouragement more numerous than all the others, he learned that those seeds, the seeds of discouragement, could grow almost anywhere. When Satan was asked about this, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get those seeds to grow. They would never thrive. And where is that, asked the man. Satan replied sadly, in the heart of a grateful person. Think about that. If you're a grateful person, if you're a thankful person, you're not going to be living your life a discouraged person. Now, we all go have, feeling, have moments, and I'm not talking about a moment, but I'm talking about as a way of life. God doesn't want you to be discouraged. He wants you to be encouraged. And think about how many times Jesus said in the New Testament, take courage, be of good cheer. What's he saying? Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. And one of the ways that we can be encouraged and change our focus from ourselves and our problems to God is just to be a thankful person. So think about what I've said so far. Thanksgiving takes time. It does. Thanksgiving touches the heart of God, and Thanksgiving changes our focus. Now, as we think about that, I want to give you a challenge tonight. Just, uh, as we think about Thanksgiving, this is kind of the Thanksgiving challenge. You say, John, we're not even in November, and you're talking about Thanksgiving. Well, part of the problem is we only talk about Thanksgiving in November, and we should be talking about Thanksgiving and living Thanksgiving every day of our life. The number one challenge I would encourage you to make tonight, if you haven't already. Now, there are probably people here tonight say, well, John, this is good, but I'm already thankful. Well, I like to think that I'm thankful too, but we could all be more thankful. Number one, make a decision that you want to be a thankful person. 
You know, I think whatever it is in life, if we're trying to lose weight, if we're trying to get uh, more in shape, if we, whatever it is we're trying to do, if we're trying to save money, have a budget, whatever it is we're trying to accomplish, it all begins by having a desire for that thing to happen. I mean, a person who doesn't want to lose weight, who doesn't want to be disciplined with their finances, who doesn't want to be in, in, in good shape, that person, they don't even have a desire and so the first thing we have to have is that desire, and we make a decision that that's what we want to be. I, you know, I can think in my life, I just feel so blessed as I look back on my life, not only in the past, but even now, the people, many, some of you are in this category, that have been for me role models through the years. And I think of other people who live in other places who've been that way, and one of the people that was a blessing for me, you probably don't know him, his name is Calvin Miller. Christian author. He was one of my professors at Southwestern Seminary. He was the Max Licato type author. He did not have, he had not sold as many books as Max Licato, but he had sold a pile of books and was very respected in the Christian community. And I had him for a class on evangelism when I was in seminary. And he was teaching us how to share our faith with other people. He had pastored a church in Nebraska uh, before he came to teach, and that church had experienced phenomenal growth. And the blessing of God was on that church, and God had led that man to know what to do, and, and he did it, and he's coming to seminary to teach all this. So every day, every, I think it was two or three times a week the class met, I was just soaking that up. How can we be a better, you know, soul winner and share our faith more effectively and so on? But the one thing, and I think personally the thing that made him such an effective soul winner was not his technique, not, not some gospel presentation that he had memorized. I think what made him such an effective soul winner was the joy that he had in his life and the freedom that he had. And I just remember thinking as he taught the class, I just look at him and I would think to myself and I would pray to God, I'd say, God, I want to be like that. I want to have that freedom, that joy, that simplicity of faith, because I think that's what enabled him to be a good soul winner. Well, so what we have to say is, I want to make a decision. I want to be like that. And I think when I'm talking about being thankful tonight, similarly, we have to say, you know what? Truth be known, I probably complain more than I thank. I probably ask God to give me things more than I thank God for the things he's already given me. And so I want to make a decision tonight. The decision, first of all, is that I want to be a thankful person. How many of you tonight would at least say, I, I have a desire to be more thankful. Just raise your hand. Okay, that's all of us, myself included. Now, the second part of this challenge, first of all, we have to make the decision that we want to be that. The second thing is make a commitment to be a thankful person. Make a commitment to be a thankful person. And there's something about making that commitment. I was in a setting some time back, and we were having a conversation about something. And I can't remember what the conversation was about. But I remember in the conversation that I said something negative. And the people I was talking to didn't think anything about it. I wasn't saying anything rude to them or negative about them. I was saying something negative and complaining about whatever we were talking about. Well, as soon as I said that, I didn't feel right about it. And so later that night, I had gone to the grocery store, and I was on one of the aisles there buying, buying something. And I was thinking about the complaining that I had done in that conversation. And I can't remember if we were talking about politics or if we were talking about something. I don't remember what we were talking about. But I remember I complained. And on, the, on a certain aisle, I think it was the cookie aisle on, at HEB, which is one of the best aisles they've got. And I highly recommend the cookie aisle. 
as we were, as I, by myself, I was on the cookie aisle, and I was thinking about that. I just stopped, and I didn't close my eyes or get on my knees or do anything like that, but I just said to God, I said, God, I want to make a commitment right here tonight on the cookie aisle that I'm not going to be a complainer and that I'm going to be a thankful person. Not a negative person, but a thankful person. And I just made that commitment. It's the first commitment that I've ever made in a grocery store other than I'm not going to eat that or something like that. But it was a spiritual commitment. Well, it wasn't too long after that that I was in another setting and something came up and I, I, it was something different, but I said something and it was somewhat complaining. And as soon as I said it, my mind went back to the commitment that I had made at that H-E-B store on that aisle. And so I just said, God, now, I said I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I'm, half, I'm depending on you to help me because in my own flesh, I will do that. But help me to be a thankful person, not to be a complaining person. I think all of us, before I go on with this, I think all of us would agree that we have a lot of things to be thankful for. Amen? I mean, we do. it's just a matter of what you focus on. And that's why I said a moment ago, when we're thankful, it changes our focus, which means it changes our attitude. Because if I'm focusing what I don't like or on what's wrong, that's going to pull me down. But if I'm focusing on God and what God has done for me and what all God has given me, well, I mean, if I truly focus on that, not just going through the motions, but really focus on that, it cha- I'm, I get straight. I come to the sweet spot. And now my focus is different, and I'm a much more positive person. So we want to make a commitment. I'm encouraging you tonight to make a commitment to be a thankful person. Now, before we even finish this sermon, I want to give you a chance to do that. I want to give you a chance right now. This is not the end of the sermon, all right? But this is, this is going to take a 30-second. Let's bow our heads for a commitment. If you would like, and you, everybody just raise your hand, so I know you want to be more thankful. But I'm asking you right now to make a commitment, and I'm going to recommit what I committed at H-E-B, to be a thankful person. Say this, say, God, when I'm tempted to complain, help me to be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there's, there's the commitment. We've made the commitment, and we have to have God's help, to, just like any other commitment we make, but we're making a commitment tonight to be a thankful person. Now, last thing, last part of the challenge. Figure out a way that works in, for you. It's going to be different for all of us, but figure out a way that you can begin, starting either tonight or in the morning, to express your thanksgiving to God. You just figure out a way. Remember what I said, it's going to take time. You've got to think about it, and then you've got to do it. And so I would encourage you, and I'll give you a couple of examples tonight that might not be what you would want to do, but it at least might get the wheels turning in your mind. And it might be something you say, okay, I don't really want to do exactly what he said there, or, but that got me thinking, and now I'm going to do this instead. Sometime back, when, when I started thinking about being more thankful, even before I made the commitment at HEB, I'm talking about much longer back than that. I started when I would first wake up in the morning, before I get out of bed, before I check my phone to see who's called or who's text 
or before I do anything, that I just stay in my bed for a few minutes, and as I'm coming to, now as I've told you before, it takes me longer to come to than most people. That takes me a while. But while I'm coming to, I like to just lie there in bed, and I have a list of things that I just say, God, at the beginning of this day, I just want to thank you. Thank you that I, before I even get in my list, God, I just want to thank you that I slept well. I thank you for a new day. And then I've got a list. And I prayed through that this morning. And later in the day, when I knew for sure this is what I was going to be talking about tonight, I started trying to count up how many things is it that I'm listing out when I'm doing that. And I, I couldn't keep, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sizable list. of things. It doesn't take long. It's, it's virtually memorized. I've done it so long. But just because it's memorized doesn't mean that it's not, it's, it's, it's repetition, but it's not vain repetition. It means something to me. And so I just start out the day saying, God, I just want to thank you now, and here I go. And now I just have my list. It doesn't take long. Maybe it takes three minutes, three or four minutes. But uh, I just feel good starting my day like that. Now, something, another approach would be, instead of doing it in the morning, would be to do it at night. And I heard R.T. Kendall, who's, if you're new here, former pastor of Westminster Chapel in London, England, and he has spoken at our church many times, and we look forward to the day when he can come back. But Dr. Kendall says that every night when he gets in bed, now he does it at night, he and his wife, Louise, they're lying there in bed, they're talking about the day, and they come up with three blessings that they experience that day. And that's the last thing they do before they go to sleep. They thank God for those three blessings. And so it could have been a good trip to the doctor. It could have been an opportunity to preach. It could have been that she, whatever they're going through. So I start mine in the morning, and I thank God at night when I get in bed too, but I don't necessarily do it like he does at that point where I try to come up with three. I'm not saying my way or his way is right, but I'm saying this. We need to get into the habit of being thankful to God for all the things that he has done for us. You say, now, John, on your list. Now, Dr. Kendall's list is going to vary every day. So there is a, there, that is true. One advantage he has over me is his list is always fresh because it's what God did that day, whereas my list is what you would call more the staples. Now, I thank God for what he did. When I get in bed tonight, I'm going to say, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what I did this morning. I thank you, God, you... When I spoke at the funeral this afternoon, you helped me and helped that family. I thank you I got to preach tonight. I thank you that most all the people stayed awake for the whole sermon. Most of them did. And there were a few that went out, but most of them stayed awake. No, but I'm going to thank God. So I guess I have. But mine, when I do my Thanksgiving, it's more of the, main, of the really staples. Now, go back. You're in Luke 17. Turn back a few pages to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And in verse number 17, this is an interesting story. Now, I'm reading out of the New King James, and so some of your translations may read a different number here. But in the New King James, it says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subjects to you, to us in your name. And so they, these disciples had been out on a ministry assignment, and Jesus had given them authority and power, so much so they could cast out demons, and they did. And they came back, and they said, Lord, this is amazing. Everywhere we went, we had power. And even the demons were subject to us. When we said, in the name of Jesus, demons fl- went out of people, and demons fled 
It's, a, it's an amazing thing. Notice Jesus' response to that. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Again, we always say Jesus had his beginning in Bethlehem. No, he did not. Jesus had his human birth in Bethlehem. Jesus had no beginning. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. And Jesus, we read in Colossians chapter 1, Jesus created the world. And so here Jesus is saying that before Adam and Eve were ever formed in the Garden of Eden, way back then, when Lucifer, the angel, rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven, Jesus said to his disciples, I saw seven fall like lightning from heaven. I saw something greater than you saw. You saw demons leave people's body. I saw Satan leave heaven and the 30 angels with him. Verse 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents, on scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. They came back to Jesus. They said, Jesus, we've never seen anything like this. We said to these demon-possessed people, we said to those demons who had inhabited people in the name of Jesus, be gone. And they were gone. They said, we've never seen anything like it. Jesus said, that's good. I'm glad that happened. I'm glad you're beginning to to experience some of the power that I've given you. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the fact that you're saved. That's why I said at the beginning, do we want to see 300 in here on Wednesday night? Yes. 400? Yes. 500? Yes. Is it possible? All things are possible with God. Can it happen? Of course it can happen. But our ultimate rejoicing shouldn't be how many people we have in church. Look, I'm not going home tonight happy because how many were in church or unhappy about somebody that, people that didn't get saved or happy that people did get saved. I'm going tonight home happy because I know I'm saved. Now, we came out here on Easter, saw nearly 50 people got saved. Did that make me happy? Sure. But I'm going to tell you this, and I don't mean this selfish, and I think if God were, and he, I know he is here, but if he were speaking audibly tonight, he would say, you're saying it right, John. My ultimate joy in life doesn't come in seeing 50 people get saved, although I do rejoice over that. My ultimate joy in life comes in knowing that I'm saved. And I'm telling you, your ultimate joy in life ought to come in the fact that you're saved. The first two things that I thank God for every day after I begin to come to, I do normally mention something about thank you for the good night's sleep. But when I really get onto my list, I'll, I'll tell you what number one and two are. God, I thank you that I'm saved, and I thank you that I know that I'm saved. Now, that's how I start my day every day. God, I thank you that I'm saved, and I thank you that I know that I'm saved. Now, let me ask you. In the grand scheme of life, if, if a person is starting out his day, God, I thank you that I'm saved, and I thank you that I, know that, I, that I know that I'm saved. The only advantage that I can find of somebody having wondered and worried about his salvation as long as I did is that I'll tell you this, I have a sure enough appreciation that I know I've got it. I mean, I am thankful to be saved. Because I, so long I didn't have that, and now I do have that. And so what I'm saying to you is, when you begin your day or when you end your day, and however, whatever you thank God for, I would encourage you, start it right there. God, I thank you that I'm saved, and I thank you that I know that I'm saved. You know, I shared on Easter Sunday how, how I came to the full assurance of my salvation, and, uh, and I'm not going to share that again tonight. But in that sermon, I mentioned that that happened on April the 27th. 
many years ago. And so today, when I woke up, I knew full well that today was April 27th. I knew it when I went to bed last night. And so when I woke up this morning, it was special for me because I said, God, today, I mean, I'm glad to be saved on April the 3rd, May 10th, July 4th, Christmas Day, all of it. But something special about the actual day when I, when I, when I, when I, knew, I, got, when I knew I got that settled in my heart. And so all day long, that's been on my heart. It's been in my mind. God, I just thank you. And you know what it's done for me? It has put me all day long in an attitude of gratitude. It has put me all day long in the sweet spot. The sweet spot. Just knowing that if I don't have anything else to be thankful for, and I can assure you I have many things to be thankful for. Again, the first two things I say, God, I thank you that I'm saved. I thank you I know that I'm saved. You know the last eight things that I thank God for at the end of my list? It has to do with physical blessings. Now, I thank God for my family and the church and a lot of things in between. At the end, let me give you this. This is something you ought to think about putting into your thanksgiving. We don't think about this. Here's what I say. God, I thank you that I have eyes that I can see. I'll tell you this. If you couldn't see tonight, you would empty out however many bank accounts you have for the gift of sight. Sight is one of those things we're never thankful for until we have a problem with our sight. God, I thank you for my eyes that I can see. God, I thank you for my ears that I can hear. I was talking to a friend on the phone the other night, and she said to me, she said, John, I've lost X percent of my hearing. And the doctor says, it probably, it's never coming back. I was with a friend today, a man today. He's lost probably 70% of his sight. He's my age. Woke up one day, couldn't see. He lost 70% of his vision out of one of his eyes. First thing I said to him when I saw him today, how's that eye doing? Well, it's not any better. God, thank you for my eyes that I can see. Thank you for my ears that I can hear. Thank you for my mind that I can think. Thank you for my body that I can digest food. Unless you've ever had a problem with an appetite and digesting food, you don't even, you eat and don't even think anything about it. God, I thank you that I have vocal cords that I can speak. God, I thank you that I have legs that I can walk. God, I thank you that I have lungs that I can breathe. And God, I thank you that my heart just keeps on beating. Now, I think that's eight things. I tried to count that earlier today. I think that's eight things. You know, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 12 in the Living Bible, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you better thank God for that. So when you go home tonight, get in bed, think about the day and all the problems you had and all the reasons you could be upset and angry and bitter and, you know, the world did you wrong and, the, you know, everything's bad. You ought to say, God, I thank you I'm saved. <laughs> I thank you I know that I'm saved. And God, I can't maybe remember all those things that John mentioned. Well, just start with your eyes and use your brain and think about all the gifts we have in the human body and just begin to thank God for that. It'll change your perspective. It'll straighten you up, and it'll put us in the sweet spot of where God wants us to be. Amen?